Today's show of the podcastle is brought to you by Hoss Sauce. That's right, it's heat you can handle. Hoss Sauce is actually really, really good. I've had it numerous times in all three flavors. They have Guajillo, Bibimbap, and Tamarind. Guajillo is roasted onions, tomatoes, and jalapenos. Mix it up with a little honey, cayenne, and Guajillo peppers to bring you a hearty fiesta in a bottle. Bibimbap will be for if you like enjoying the exotic sweet and bold Korean flares, flavors of toasted sesame, lime, fish sauce, and rice wine vinegar with a lick of red chili pepper heat. Mm. And tamarind. What do you get when you pair habanero chilies with a delicious, delicious tang of tamarind? You get sweet agave syrup and rich nutty sesame. It's really delicious. Um, I've had all three of them. I highly recommend them. I've had them with pizza. I've had them with tacos. I've had them with chicken. I've had them with steak. It's really good hot sauce. It's heat you can handle. It's not going to burn your mouth and make you cry. You can check it out online at hossauce.com. They have some good deals. It's really affordable. Prices are about $8 a bottle, uh, and you can get it tonight. Have it to your uh, mailbox in just a few days. You will thank me, and you'll thank them. You are listening to the Podcastle. Enjoy. You want to get Capone? Here's how you do it. He sends one of your guys to the hospital. What's the line of that movie? You send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. Sean Connery, Robert. By the way, Robert is back on the show. This is Set Jetter Saturday. We have a very delectable choice for you today. We're going to be uh, diving into Nightmare on Elm Street. There is a special anniversary coming up. Um, So, Robert, thank you for being on the show. Absolutely. Good to see you. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. Uh, No, the line was from The Untouchables. It was, you want to get Capone? Here's how you do it. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. You send one of his to, he sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. Um, of course, Sean Connery passed away October 30th, but I wanted to bring this up before we get into the Elm Street, because have you seen The Untouchables? Yes, but it's been a while, and now that you're saying that, I'm like, I need to read, it's, I've been rewatching some 80s stuff, which is good, and I kind of forgot about it. Today, I rewatched Platoon. Oh, uh, yes. My, um... My little brother through uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters, and uh, I don't think I'd seen it since the eighties. Oh and yeah, so it was just I, I forgot. I mean, it was Oliver Stone kind of at its height, and, I, and it got me thinking about you know films like that and Touchables and what films were like back then. Did, did did it still hold up, Platoon? I haven't seen it. I think since high school. It did. I, I have not seen it in a long time, and enough to the point I'm like I can't remember what's happening next. And yeah, and I got Johnny Depp is in it, and Tony Todd, and. Yep. and like all these people I was like I, I forgot all these people were in it looking awfully young I forgot Johnny Depp was in that yeah wow the scene um, the reason I brought up the untouchables of course you know want to just mention Sean Connery's passing he was a he was a favorite of mine I enjoy most of his work especially the James Bond franchise but that scene in the untouchables um, Brian De Palma in the, he says that in the church to Elliot Ness who's portrayed by Kevin Costner and the way they shot that scene was they did kind of a forced perception, if you will. So they had two cameras, two lenses. One was focused on them in the pew in the church up close. Then they had another camera, 
with another lens, of course, with the back of the church in focus. And they blended in editing that together. So the shot, you're actually seeing the characters in the foreground, close and personal, focused, and the back of it, which is usually blurry, in focus too. So it gives it almost this like HD quality that was not around in 1989. And that, they didn't use the diopters where it was kind of that middle fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, it's such a cool shot. That's De Palma, isn't it? Yeah, it is De Palma. Yeah. That is De Palma. Um, but what do we have? Um, what do we have going on today? This is the Nightmare on Elm Street. We're approaching an eve of an anniversary. Yeah. So Nightmare on Elm Street had its. Uh, it was took, uh, released in 1984. It had a small release November 9th, I think it was, and then the wide release November 16th. So November 9th was also the 1984, the release of Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yes, one of your favorites. You posted yes. about that recently. You also post a lot of good videos or videos, uh, photos of your set um, locations recently, and they're pretty good. I mean, they're all good, but yeah. these these were these were really good. I like really got into it because it was Friday the Thirteenth, and you apparently watched the DVD of the best one, the third one, last third night one. on Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, downstairs I got my 3D TV out because I thought, you know, with the box set, that was kind of one of the pluses to, to actually see it in 3D for the first time. Yeah. Uh, uh, in the way it was kind of supposed to, and not the red blue uh, version that they've tried before. So, it it wasn't as dazzling as um, when Jaws 3D uh, came out in Blu-ray. I was like, why? It had pretty good 3D. This one is okay. There's there's some depth uh, that you uh-huh. see. But um, and then of course okay. where Harold's kind of poking it into, you know, throwing stuff into the camera just just because. I saw you mentioned it wasn't dazzling. Is that because? There's not a lot of 3D effects in it, or they're just not that good. It's that I just felt like there was a lot, so I was kind of like looking for it, and it's kind of it reminded me a little bit. There'd be moments where you remember the 3D Viewmasters. I'm probably aging myself. No, no, I, I, I exactly. Um, I still have one at my parents' house somewhere in the attic. It'd be moments like that. Uh, I was kind of stealing, and of course, like you know, and oh. I, I would zip through kind of different parts to see the. Uh, uh, like the axe sticking out at the the end out of his head, kind of. Of course, the camera was pretty good. So, and, and of course, Jason reaching out. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was fun to see. I'm glad they they finally were able to do that after all these years. Yeah, I, I, but for, Friday the Thirteenth too is my favorite mask reveal because it's unprovoked, and he's not quite a demon yet. Uh, he's more of just a deformed man, and it's, it's it he real. just kind of lifts it up. He's not. He doesn't come off because somebody pushes it. He he's not or or telekinetically removes it, and it's not because he's trying to scare kids in New York. It's just to fuck with that girl with the with the leading girl, and he just kind of looks at her and lifts it up from like twenty feet away, and you're like, good for him, yeah, good for him. It's my favorite reveal because it's just kind of like menacing, and of course they did it so the audience can see for the first time, um, just in, you know w- w- after post mask, but um. Yeah, Friday the third or um, Nightmare on Elm Street, the sixth. Well, anniversary is it thirtieth anniversary? Uh, no, so it's like in nineteen eighty four. So it's kind of an off year. Oh, okay. So. Don't make me do math out loud. Uh, no, 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 not me either. It will be the original release was November 9th, and that was like the soft release where like L.A. and New York see it, and then it was nationwide. I would imagine. Yeah, and if I remember right, I think it kind of had a staggered release because i think by the time it hit the midwest it was around the time uh friday 13th, i think it was still showing in the spring and this, and 
And for the young ones in here, movies showed for a long time in theaters or, or be kind of, they'd either travel around or kind of show up again. But I remember yeah. that time where uh, Friday Night Part 5 was out and that was kind of on the, uh, kind of going down a little bit and Elm Street was kind of the new one uh, coming in at the time. I like when they when they used to keep them in the theaters for a long time, like Jurassic Park. I think it was like a year or nine months or something, and it'd be like Christmas, and it'd be like one theater somewhere still showing it, and you're like, good for them. This is still out there. And and young kids will also know now that the print would go bad, and there'd be scratches, and as you get towards the end of the reel, it yeah. would scratchy or whatever, and you, so you knew the reel was going to be ending, and, like, and it would like uh, hit to the next reel, and colors would be off, and oh, yeah, would be missing sometimes. Yeah, there's, there's, you know, like documented cases where the studios would have to reship new reels because they were just so worn out from being played, like like Jurassic Park, you know? Yeah. That's why you see a lot, like, playing on three screens, and they'll probably have, like, two backups just because it's getting, it was crazy. Yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street, um, Robert has a very lovely shirt on. It's the tagline of the original film, if Nancy doesn't wake up screaming, she won't wake up at all. I still think that cover is the coolest one out of all of them because it's really comic booky, but it's scary too. Mm-hmm. No, it, it took the elements, and I think that guy did uh, almost all the movies up one through six. I think he created the posters for. Um, posters are good. Posters oh, are very good. They were awesome. So, the Dream okay. Child one, like scary. Dream Warriors, and you know the omnipresent Freddy uh, in the sky. It gets Dream you. Dream Warriors is my favorite. Favorite. I. Um, I think I used to have the stand-up of, of Dream Warriors as well, and I used to just do... Yeah. I mean, because as you know, it just kind of had the... Well, the Dream Warriors are a version of what they I thought they were going to look like, and they had a little Elm Street house at the bottom, and I used to just fixate on that. So not knowing that, I would go visit that house many, many times. But Yeah, uh, that's so cool. Is Dream Warriors the one where, at the end, the model house like lights up? Yep. Creepy. I <laughs> built that model. I don't. I think I got rid of it. I don't have that anymore. But you had it. Oh, I made one. Yeah. So did it look like? Was it pretty close? Oh yeah. You know. You know me. I counted every single popsicle stick on the uh, on the screen and and. Oh yeah. It. Exactly. I, I wasn't messing around. Wait, you made it from scratch. Oh yeah. Oh, like you didn't buy like a kit or something. No, no. This this was 1987. You couldn't buy. You couldn't buy anything. <laughs> no, <laughs> you couldn't. Yeah. So you made a model of the. The, the the model house in the film at the end in real life. I did. Where is this treasure at? Where is this? Where I can we pictures, see it? I have pictures of it. So, um, and oh I got, man, I the green marker. I got the green scene green marker, and I think I even tried to replicate how she did it with the the paper mache. Uh, didn't no didn't work way. out so well, so I took some shortcuts. But. Oh man, that's so cool. That's dedication, my friend. Yeah, you're a craftsman. Uh, I also want to mention. Me, I used yeah. to have, this is a replacement. So this came out for. Uh, this was the video standee for uh, Elm Street Two, and okay. at the time, I just wrote Media Entertainment asking how I something like that, and they just sent me one. Um, and Are you so, serious? Yeah, fifteen-year-old me was just peeing my pants. Or, well, yeah. I, I didn't know. Uh, I just remember the box had it was kind of big, flat, curved box, and it says your nightmare has arrived. It said on the on the box, and I was like. Like what is this? And I just opened it up, so I was surprised. So my they original just, one had, had gotten destroyed uh, in a fire. So this is a replacement. I oh no! To... Uh, the original Freddy cutout got destroyed in a fire. I did. I had. A, I was in an apartment, uh, and when I was twenty four, twenty five, so an arsonist. Uh, oh my gosh! 
towards my apartment. I, I, I'm, I hope everybody was okay. I'm just dwelling on the irony of that situation. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it destroyed most of my stuff. It killed my cat. Um, oh, my but, God. Yeah. So a lot of my stuff was gone. Uh, but it also, you know, puts things in perspective of, of what matters in life. So you you have a good outlook on that. That's a horrible thing to happen. I'm sorry. Especially the cat part. I'm a that big cat matters. lover. Yeah. Anything else that was destroyed didn't matter in comparison to that, of course. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad you're okay. I'm glad you're with us. I'm glad you have created set-jetter.com for all the listeners. By the way, our, I don't know if I've told this to you, but our listenership actually goes up when you're on the show. Okay. You must have a lot of fans. It goes up sig- significantly. You, you would tell me if it goes down. I would. I would, I, and I, but I would blame myself if it went down. I wouldn't blame you. But it's, it only goes up, and it's great. Yeah. Um, it's going up. I'm not even going to make a COVID-19 joke because that's a bad taste, but it, the numbers are, have significantly gone up. Gotcha. And it's because of you. And I think it's because you have a built-in audience, and people appreciate the set jetter and what you have to bring because you know your shit. I, I, I do my best. Very so. well. But yeah, so but yeah, Elm Street's one of those. I mean, obviously, an iconic movie, and I was fourteen when it came out, um, so I was at the right age for it. And uh, okay. um, but but yeah, so and it it still holds up pretty well. Or, like, to me, it does. I just watched it recently. Um, I didn't watch the other ones because I had to buy them. I couldn't. I'm sure they might be streaming now, but I think when we last spoke, it was Halloween season. Yeah. So they were charging for all of them. So I watched, but I did get the first one. And uh, I like it. I really like it. It's not as cheesy, some of the 80s cliches, as the Friday the 13th movies, I feel. What do you think about that? Well, yeah, it, and, and Freddy was uh, kind of like all horror villains. He, he was in the shadows in the first one, and it, it was more mysterious. And yeah. he, didn't have the, he was uh, crackling a few one-liners here and there, um, but, but he was still menacing. And just the concept at the time had not been explored too much. They thought that uh, we, we can... We run away and we can lock our doors in the suburbia or in the cabin in the woods. We can, you know, run and, and watch. We, none of us can escape sleep. And I think that's what just kind of, uh, uh, that's what did it for me. And that's every, everybody uh, has to sleep. It doesn't matter who you are. So you will always be in that situation. Right. And it was a very new and novel idea. Now you pitch a movie about sleep and they're like, yeah, I mean, it's been done. Let's do it. 1984. You do that. It was 1984, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, that changed the game, really. Uh, I feel like they came in at the right time, too. Because somebody would have done something like that, and it wouldn't have been as good. Um, Freddy is a franchise. There's Halloween, there's Friday the 13th, and there's Nightmare on Elm Street. Those are the big three. And you can't touch them. No. And, of course, Robert England brought a lot to the role. Um, I think David Warner was originally cast. Um, and oh really? They did makeup test for him, which it'd be interesting. I can't. I cannot picture uh, what <laughs> him. No, I would what, love what to see would that. Really be like as, as or what the franchise would would be like. I think uh, the franchise owes a lot to Robert England. I think so. He really made that character. He's really great in The Mangler too, which is a terrible film. But have you ever seen that? Oh my God! It's, that's the laundry. Oh yeah. Something, Stephen King. Laundry. It's about a laundry press like factory where they, you know, press laundry, wash clothes. Uh, the machine comes to life. But Robert, it's a terrible movie. Uh, it's it's not even a good short story. But Robert England is like the foreman, and he's just so creepy and good. And you've met him a bunch of times, right? I have. So he he's a 
as everybody knows, I mean, he does, he's great at conventions and he's a storyteller and he can go on and on and, and he has a, a lot of wonderful stories. So, um, but yeah, and uh, nice. Camp, um, actually, I met them both for the first time together in 2007. Yeah, I think it was. No the, way. All right. The, is that 20th year of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3? So, um, yeah. And I think it was one of my, I think it was my second convention ever. And I just, I was pinching myself that I could not believe I was going to be uh, meeting uh, Heather Langenkamp and, and Robert England. And for some reason, they had the photo no walk and everything else. And so um, I just felt like I was kind of thrust into a, a Nancy and, and Freddie uh, for a quick photo hop, photo hop. And at the time, Heather Langenkamp had long hair. So she had like the, the long Nancy hair. So I thought it was kind of. Oh, cool. Where was this at? Somewhere, somewhere this was out here in Chicago. Chicago. This was Flashback Weekend, and uh, they had everybody. Charles Fleischer was there from Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, John Sachs, oh, yeah. Robert England. Uh, most of the Dream Warriors were there. So they had quite a bit, uh, quite a bit of the cast. And, and my favorite moment, I don't know if I talked about it on the show, was they had a screening. They are going to have a screening of Elm Street 1 and 3. And, um, huh. and I was in Chicago and I was like, oh, I was going to go see my friend. I'm like, well, I'll, I'll start, you know, I'll go to the beginning of the screen just to kind of check it out. And all your seats were numbered. And so I think my was seat number seven or something like that. So I thought, okay, I'll, you know, I sat in seven, but in front of me were these wicker cool. towels. And, uh, uh, and I, I didn't think anything about it. And so right before the film starts, they kind of introduced the film and, and Heather Langkamp and Amanda Wiss sit right in front of me. And so I text you on the screening. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not leaving. <laughs> no way. So it was, yeah, 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 you can't leave. Yeah. You got it. There so you go. My favorite pictures is uh, in between the the films. They turn around. I was talking to them, and I took a, a picture of them, um, kind of smiling and stuff like that. It's one of my. I'm, I'm looking pictures. at it right now. Oh, you're looking. <laughs> yeah, I had to pull it up. Um, go to listeners. Go to set-jitter.com. Look for Nightmare on Elm Street. And uh, yeah, there it is. It's cool. You have a bunch of photos there from, I guess it was that event or other ones. It looks like it's a, it's another one. Uh, but the last one is them turned around and like those that wicker couch looking thing. Yeah, that's cool, so, man. The most surreal moment was during when in the film they're on a couch uh, talking about that reminds me of the dream I had, and it was like me and them oh, on the couch and them on the couch on the screen. And I think I was trying to snap a picture, but it was. It was goofy time, but are they uh, pretty cool to ha- were they pretty cool to hang out with? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So I mean, it was just literally everything I dreamed of, no pun intended. But um, their skin but, looks great. What's that? Their skin looks great. Yeah, they they both look great, and they're both um, they're they're just both enjoyed around, and it was just nice to do that for fans. So and they stuck through uh, uh, the one and three. You know, usually some of my celebrities they kind of do the intro and they kind of uh, take off. So but yeah, next yeah. to them. Was, um, uh, Lisa Wilcox and the and um, um, mother I can't remember her name right now for the mother from Elm Street so the so whole cast was kind of right in front of us so I was just like uh, a night to remember will never be repeated again that's amazing pretty they'll never say never we don't know yeah, right? that's true yeah but no, likely exactly like that but likely exactly right and that you you captured that and you have that forever. And then you put a still in your visit of Nightmare on Elm Street. This one was in Venice, uh, where Freddie. I remember the scene where the hands, the arms get stretched out, and you duplicated yeah. that shot. Do you remember this this point of your uh, of the set visit? Um, I can I've been to that alley a couple times, and um, 
And if it's that particular one, it's, um, uh, I remember that visit that we, you know, it is right behind Tina's house. It's just like it is in the movie, uh, surprisingly. Oh, and it looks okay. like it does in the movie. You know, in the movie, it, it's kind of like has these weird things around or whatever. That's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> that was my question was, does it look like the movie and is it geographically correct? It's ex- absolutely geographically correct. So I think the front of the house, there's kind of a, they put up a bigger fence, but. You're right. Uh, and I remember at the time, I wanted to get in the backyard, you know, because they have a couple scenes there. Yeah. The rock jumps out. And uh, right when we were going down the, the other, the street towards the alley, um, the guy came out to take out his garbage. And, and I said, oh, can I take a and picture? And he's like, no, I don't think. And, and for some what? reason, he changed his mind. He's like, yeah, if you're quick. And so I just <laughs> went back and took a couple pictures of the porch and, and the <laughs> window he, he said no initially and then changed his mind said yeah come on in yeah maybe i had sad face i don't know maybe that's funny though but whatever it does work but you got it your uh set visit of a nightmare on elm street is pretty detailed and in-depth it's very uh you collected a lot of good shots here thank you i've, I've always thought the boiler room i have some friends that have been into the boiler room um at the boy heights uh, jail but i have not i was not able to get into there yeah, how how would you get in there? Is that an abandoned place? Uh, it's it's no longer abandoned. Um, they they still use it for different uh, films and stuff like that. I think it's being gutted out, and I'm probably turned into a condo or something like that. Last time um, I did drive in there one time, because the back of it, um, that that's the same jail that was used in Assault of Precinct Thirteen at the beginning, right. where they're transferring out. So um, I caught on a good day where it happened to be open in the back, and I just drove in and and took some pictures. Oh, nice. Lots so, of asbestos in there. You probably don't want to visit. No, yeah, maybe not. I am curious, though. I'm fascinated with, like, abandoned stuff. Uh, or was. The uh, the shot in Nightmare on Elm Street, the, of course, the Venice Canal has been, like, in a lot of movies. It's, like, it's been in The Doors. It's been in this. It's I think it's in something about Mary. It's, it's in, like, it's, like, an iconic, you know, L.A. film shoot. Oh, yeah. But you actually captured it from, were you on a bridge when you shot this photo? Um, I can't remember. I don't have it pulled up right now. But um, so the uh, there's one specific bridge, and you have to. I think I marked which one it was because there's about eight different bridges, and you just kind of have to find the right one. So yeah, try to find. I think you're, I took from the sidewalk to kind of shoot across uh, to get the right angle. Now the close-ups it- that they have were shot at the studio. So when they kind of do the close-ups, and there's a little. Uh, now, now, if you rewatch the film, you'll you'll see like a, a palm behind Johnny Depp that doesn't match anything, but it works together that you think that's the same palm tree that's in the far background. Oh, that, that was just shot at the top of uh, the studios at the time. That's smart. Yeah, I was just curious about your shot because I know that area and from your vantage point of where you got it is you know it matches frame by frame with the original and. Um, it looks like I'm pretty sure like the water is there, so I don't. You you must have got it from like a sidewalk or some. You did a good job. It looks. Thank you. It's very good. Up now to make <laughs> to see what you're talking about, but uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's all good. So I've I've not revisited uh, some of these locations to look at for a while. So, uh, yeah. oh yeah, so that was actually one of my early visits. That that particular picture, uh, the first one, and then the second one. Uh, there, there's more greenery and stuff like that, so it's hard to recapture everything. Yeah, but yeah, I think you did a great job with this one, and it really shows, um, you know, your homework. Uh, with this, with Nightmare on Elm Street, was this one of your first one? Let's just start with the beginning. What was the first set location for, on this website that you ever went to? Oh, that I ever went to? Technically, ever. 
um, probably when I was 18, I took a workshop at a UCLA. And okay. so, and we might've talked about that before where it was the, uh, the dream warriors, the Weston Hills, uh, the, the Royce hall where, uh, Freddie has yes. a, a lot of different scenes with headline camp. And I, I didn't know it was a, I was on a movies location at the time. I was just taking a workshop out there and I was oh, wandering no? around campus with a couple of uh, friends and, and we just went up the big stairs when the stairs were used in Elm street five. Um, and then I just like, I'm like, oh, I know this place. And this is where Amanda Kruger was looking down the hallway. And this is where Nancy dropped her hypnocell. And I was just... Right. You did a good job, though. And I, I knew it was something to do with Nightmare on Elm Street. We've, we've touched on that before. Yeah. But was this, was Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, this set visit location, um, around that same time? No, so I didn't get back out to L.A., so that was when I was 18, and I really didn't start to get back into movie, or my kind of first locations to visit the Elm Street house uh, was in January 2002, and uh, at that time, that it was the actual original Elm Street house, meaning it had not been renovated, it had, so yeah, it, it was looking pretty pretty poor. <laughs> was it? Uh, yeah, it was like, and I, I might have pictures of my website, kind of, and uh, how I've kind of changed throughout the years. Um, but that first time it was like, you know, it was obviously, it was the original roof and, oh yeah. Um, so I don't know those particular pictures. I think on my blog, I have, have have those pictures, but, and then the next time I visited, um, they were, it was, they renovated the house. So I have pictures of, uh, the house with all the the paneling taken off and they're trying to redo the windows and everything. So I had some, you're talking about the original, original Elm Street house, The, the original house where Heather lived in. Absolutely. Okay. Um, that is in, that is not in Venice, is it? No, that's West Hollywood, yeah. Yeah, I was going to, I thought so. Okay. You've been to all of, you've documented all of the films, even the, even A New Nightmare, um, even the great, the arguably the greatest uh, edition in the franchise, the uh, cin- cinematically acclaimed Freddy's Dead, which of course Here's they saved say. the best for <laughs> last. I will um, even do Freddy's Dead. I even I still, did the remake. <laughs> you did do the remake. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. I do like that you did mention on the site I was very disappointed at this movie with Freddy's Dead. Like, you were just you weren't happy with it. You know, and you know, Ra- Rachel Talalay, she ended up doing one of my favorite films, Tank Girl. Um, That's a so, good flick. That is yeah. a good flick. And and maybe it was their, I don't, I don't know. It, Fred, Freddy had just kind of worn out his welcome, and, I, and there's probably some good ideas that they had in there. Uh, that they were trying to do, it's just, to me, kind of nothing worked. I just remember sitting in the theater, just thinking lower and lower and lower, going, oh, this is, this is not, it's not what I wanted. This is not how I wanted it to end. And, and luckily, right. that's not the way it did end. That 94, we had a, a new nightmare. It's, no, and you, you completely nailed it. And I respect your opinion as a film critic and a, a, a fan of the series that knows more than most. Um, I want to just go back to Nightmare on Elm Street real quick. Um, don't you agree that the scene in any of, any of the um, films with the song and the kids like jump roping, you know, one, two, Freddy's dead, um, still holds up this many years later? Because whether it's The Shining or Nightmare on Elm Street or anything, something about kids, especially little girls in a creepy environment singing is always horrifying and scary. Yeah. And one like of the things... It's just creepy. That- 
always notice especially like for that first time you see the girls is that it starts in a super hazy shot in slow motion uh and same shot the camera kind of pans over um you lose the uh it, it goes back to regular motion and it loses its fuzziness to come become to real life all in one shot um that i don't think people kind of give uh wes craven or uh the cinematographer credit for uh, mm. kind of sewing all that together over at that that high school that's a really good point because that is that is a cool shot and it kind of brings like the blurriness of a dream into reality like this is really happening absolutely so. they should give him more credit for that do you think the uh, nightmare on elm street franchise is underrated overrated or just where it should be um probably i could say just where it should be okay um, because it obviously it made its mark um people freddy krueger's like jason everybody i mean everybody knows who he is uh, three-year-olds know who freddy krueger is somehow uh, without even seeing the movie um but oh they yeah he is and and kind of the finger knives and everything so um, i agree with you i think it's just right where it should be and it is an iconic piece of pop culture and you know horror movie history that is emboldened forever in its legacy because like i said earlier in the show it's michael myers jason Voorhees, freddy krueger and i don't think you'll ever be able to come close or even do that again i don't know if you disagree with me I agree. No, it, it's like kind of Jigsaw like, might be the one that we came close to in the last twenty years, and that he's not up there. I, I can't think of anybody else. I don't know if you can, but no, it wouldn't be like that. And it'd be the closest. Like I remember at the time in the eighties, they did say, "Oh, this is the new version of Universal Monsters," which it was. That uh, you know yeah. that you know the Frankenstein and the Mummy and the Invisible Man and and yep. and, and we at the time we like, oh, that's not scary anymore. And the same thing with kids now. They look back at Freddy and Jason and they're like they're not scary anymore. Um, but um, but as adults, we still kind of have a special. We hold this, those uh, villains in a special place in our heart. Oh yeah, they always will be. And you know what's weird? Freddy was the only one that really, as a kid, like scared me. Um, Jason, I always just thought was kind of cool. Maybe maybe I was a little bit of a twisted child, but like the, the movie scared me. Like some like someone some of the scenes scared me, but I was never really, like really awake afraid afraid of Jason. Um, I always thought he would spare me because I was a kid for some reason. I had a yeah. weird, weird sense of humor or childhood. What's that? You may be right. I don't think Jason uh, would hurt a child. He never hurt. did. He didn't kill kids. He he was killed as a kid. I think I would have been safe. I wasn't having sex in a van by the pool when I was ten, so I think I was okay. But Freddie came in your dreams. He you you wanted to like him, but he was just too creepy. He was burned. Like it just never sat right, and that's that's a to me, that was like a good, scary villain. And I think he might have been the scariest out of all of them. Personally. Originally a child molester. They kind of glossed yes. that over, I think. They did. They yeah. did. And then they kind of brought it back for the remake. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, but they did kind of gloss over that. I guess for marketing purposes or something. I don't know. Probably um, wasn't necessary um but um and I right. kind of, that's one of the few things about the remake i kind of liked where they kind of toyed with was he really or was he not did he you know did the parents create this monster um is this completely their fault so i kind of like some of those aspects um that they were right. trying to go to go for but um part of me is like they should have just done something else with it i agree yeah they kind of it leaves you to wonder whether it was a mob mentality and a he said she said let's all kill him uh, kind of thing, and I do appreciate some aspects, just as you, but they could have went in different ways, 
and I think it would have almost been better if he was not, and he was just a guy wrongfully accused, and that was stated from the beginning, because then you would kind of root for him a little bit, where, I don't know, it's a weird dichotomy to have this child molester that returns and is killing people. It's like, well, you were a piece of shit anyway. Why are you able to do this? I don't know, but I feel like I agree with you. Yeah, they they could have they could have went a different way with it. Nightmare um, on Elm. A friend that? just sent me. Um, so I, I've seen the the deleted scenes from Elm Street before, and I had the laser disc. And my friend just sent me a, a DVD where some of those are kind of sewn back together. And I'm like, oh, now I need to go back and do locations for the deleted scenes. Uh, you have to. To be yeah, you should be actually be in the car right now. I don't know what you're doing here. I was like, yeah, there's another, I forgot there's a del- another deleted scene in the cemetery. And I'm like, well, now I need to go get that spot. I don't know what I was thinking. When are you coming back to L.A.? I want to I be your assistant on these ventures. Uh, I think yeah. January and, Fe- I have two different trips booked right now. I think January and February are kind of around that time to, uh, uh, to come back. So hopefully we'll be in a better place uh, at, at that point. I think so. Who knows? Hopefully We'll still be wearing masks and socially distancing. There's no doubt. But... I think we'll be in a better place. You, a safer California place. might not accept Nebraskans. I don't know. We're, we're one of the worst states. So. I think we're going to welcome you with open arms. Oh, well, thanks. But uh, I would but love yeah. to meet up with you. I'll be, social, I'll be socially safe and distant and whatever I need to do. I wear masks. I believe in science. Um, but I think it would be great to come out here and maybe have you do some of those deleted scenes. And You, know, you have such a great catalog. Um, but I was going to ask you something. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go no. ahead if I cut you off. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, a lot of people don't realize. This is true. You and I realize. You realize more than anyone because you're an expert on the subject. But Johnny Depp was in the original film. People like forget that. But Johnny Depp is in this movie. The Captain Jack Sparrow, Edward Scissorhands, Donnie Brasco is in Nightmare on Elm Street. This kind of set off. This kind of started his career. Yeah, I think, and I, I in a way, back. I wonder if Platoon was was the second movie, or had to be around that. Platoon well, was 1986. Yeah, um, but yeah, and obviously he uh, he made his mark, and I know Wes Craven talks about on the commentary that uh, his daughter and her her friends, I think, chose Johnny Depp out of they saw the headshots and and they said asked Johnny Depp. They knew right away this was the the new teen heartthrob. So because he's so dreamy. Well, and he does have that. Uh, crop shirt. Uh, yeah. That we, Idiot. Uh, for those of us that could were able to war in the 80s. And he's got those bad, bad boy eyes. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Johnny Depp, I feel like we should give a pass. He's he's venturing dangerously in Nicolas Cage territory. He's losing movies. That lawsuit with Amber Heard didn't help him. No. I don't know about you, Robert. I love Johnny Depp. He is one of the great American actors of our generation. Huh? You don't like him, I can tell. You hate I'm him. I'm fine with him. I think he's kind of got... I, I, I think he maybe drank too much of his own Kool-Aid uh, at some point. Yes, I agree. I feel like he should have done more Donnie Brasco sort of public enemies uh, blow kind of movies mm-hmm. more in the 2000s. And instead, I think people got a little too tired of like the Tim Burton wacky like makeup. You know, he did like... Lone Ranger. He did all the Pirates movies, which were beat to death. He did um, really Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It was like it was too much. Like you know, Sweeney Todd. He was like doing too many Tim Burton stuff. I know not all of them are Tim Burton, but I don't know, man. I feel like he's just such a good actor, and uh, it's it's sad for me as a fan to see him becoming like 
like a Nicolas Cage, like kind of like a joke. Yeah. Well, Hollywood loves comebacks, so true. We'll I see. Bite his time. Yeah, but if he did, I'm I'm not a, familiar with the case. If he did hit somebody, though, he is a piece of shit, and and you know, I wouldn't want him to come back if, if that's the case. And um, he was in Freddy's Dead. So was he in Freddy's Dead? Mm-hmm. No way. So why is this movie so bad? This sounds better and better. He's uh he's on the commercial for the uh, he's actually with Robert England about uh, there's a fake commercial when uh, Breck and Meyer has seen him on the TV about uh, uh, this is why you don't do drugs if you remember so because you just that back yeah you just blew my mind because you said earlier in the show um, it's cool that uh, you know Heather and what was the other actor's name that you took behind the couch uh, Amanda Wiss yes they come back after um, the first film which a lot of like big stars don't really do. So I was thinking when you said that, Johnny Depp should have came back for something, and you just confirmed he came back for the worst one, which is amazing. Uh, and he said he would, he told Wes Craven he would come back. Uh, Wes Craven didn't ask him to come back for New Nightmare, so uh, and at the, the funeral for Heather Langenkamp's husband in the film, uh, they have uh, a couple of actors from Elm Street, and and he just assumed Johnny would say no, and but he later talked to Johnny Depp and said, yeah, I, I would have came if I was able, able to, so... That's now, so it might great. Be super distracting uh, to uh, uh, so so we're Elm Street fans. There uh, we would recognize uh, Nick Corey and you know uh, a Tuesday Night and and different uh, Elm Street actors. Uh, mainstream audiences would be like, "What's Johnny Depp doing at this funeral?" It might have taken them out of it a little bit. Yeah, I think if he's in that, now I need to watch it tonight, even if it means purchasing this great film. By the way, I do like your photos from Freddy's Dead. Um, you did a really good job. Thank you. I've, I've checked them out. Uh, but you, you, you kind of snickered a little bit at Johnny Depp, but being like the, this great actor. But I think we can all agree Leo D is the best actor of our generation. Who is? Right? Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, gotcha. Right? Uh, he's probably oh, up there. There's, there's a lot of things I obviously I really liked. Um, he, he, he sat uh, a few rows behind me uh, about a year ago at one of my Madonna concerts. No way. Yeah. You're a big I Madonna you know, fan, I recognized, by the way. Like right behind me at that particular concert, I did six Madonna uh, LA shows uh, for Madonna uh, last year, and and right behind me that particular night was Molly Shannon. And nice. Then, um, uh, I was looking, and kind of before the show started, I was like looking, um, uh, and I thought, oh, that's Lucas Haas, and and for some reason, I didn't think about it. Lucas is always with uh, Leonardo, and I, yeah. I was, I'm like, oh, there's Leonardo, and so. No uh, way. Yeah, it's so like Lucas it's, Haas, uh, Leonardo, Tobey Maguire, and uh, the kid from Gangs New York and E.T. Um, the kid from E.T., what's his name? Uh, they're like all, they're all buddies. Henry they're Thomas. all like, yeah, Henry Thomas. Yeah. They all kind of like roll together and play basketball. That's so cool, though. I noticed you're a big Madonna fan. You are a fan of the Immaculate Collection. I am. So, you know, so Leonardo did stay for the entire show, so... Uh, usually celebrities bow out, you know, before the last uh, song, just to get out of there before the crowds. Um, and so, um, so yeah, sh- show ends, and I, I got up, and I was everybody's you know, getting their coats and stuff like that. And Leonardo's still there, and uh, I actually That's felt cool. good because uh, he lifted up to put on his coat, and he, I know he's get criticized with his dad bod, and he did have a dad bod that night. Good, let him. His you know what? He, he's he's just like us. He's 45, he has a dad bod, or he just had a birthday, I don't know how old he is, I think he's like 46 or 45, I don't know, but um, 
and he's still dating like 20 year old good we, you know good for him he's scandal free he cares about the environment i've always been a fan i always thought uh, as a kid as a teenager you know um I, I respect his roles he wasn't doing american pie he was doing the quick and the dead and shakespeare uh and he and then he did scorsese and then he just blew up but um i did see leonardo dicaprio once at a farmer's market in west hollywood i was drinking a beer he just showed up. He walked down, I guess, because he has a house in the hills. And he just kind of, like, got something. It was a local farmer's market, local vendors just trying to do their thing. And he, like, bought a beer. It was, like, a craft beer and, um, you know, something to eat. He was talking to somebody. And then he kind of just left. People weren't mobbing him. People were looking. Yeah. But they were respectful. And I just thought it was cool that he, like, did that. You know, he came down to this, like, local farmer's market and, like, bought some stuff. Well, I, went I didn't see Kim Kardashian there. Uh, this Madonna tour was a theater tour, and they everybody had to lock up their phones and everything. So uh, no, uh-huh. no, no phones were even allowed to be out. So I couldn't, I couldn't even snap any good pictures. This was like 2012. Uh, no, 2019. This was last year. Yeah. How many year. how many Madonna concerts have you been to? Total, I think it's like 64. Sixty-four. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you're a fanatic. You're probably I, on some kind of watch list. I put one of her kids through college at least. Oh, definitely. That's a lot of dough. She yeah. is the best. I've never seen her live. My dad sees her live when he when she comes to Philadelphia, and he's seen Lady Gaga, and he said, "Lady Gaga doesn't hold a candle to Madonna. Madonna brings it." Matthew. He was very adamant about this. I said, "Dad, I believe you," because I'm I'm a Madonna fan. I'm not huge on Lady Gaga. He said, "She brings it. She brings brings it." And I said. I believe you. And you have seen her 64 times. I know. Yeah. So my what first time say? was 2004. And I, you know, I, uh, it's funny, like, so in college, I was very, I was into the Smiths and everything. And, and I had a friend at the time offering me a free ticket, free ride to the Blind Ambition Tour. And I was like, eh, no, Madonna's not my thing. And then uh, Truth or Dare came out. And I was like, oh, now I, now I get it. I get um, kind of the allure and yeah. so I didn't see her, yeah, until in t- in 2004. And I, at that concert, she came out from under the stage. And I I think I yelled out, or in my mind, I yelled out. I was like, oh, my God, she's real. Because, you know, it's Madonna. Well, yeah, she's you know? an icon. It's like yeah. seeing Michael Jackson or, you know, um, uh, like Queen or Jimi Hendrix or somebody up there, Frank Sinatra. It's an icon. It's Madonna. It's like how I would feel, I think, if I would see like Michael Jackson. Uh, I'm like a big fan. I think he's amazing without all the weird stuff. And uh, I, I kind of, he's an icon. She's an icon. And if you were to do the math, she hasn't toured every year. She's probably done a few. But if you saw her 64 times, that would be an average of four times a year since 2004. So you're a dedicated fan. I am, I am a dedicated fan. I actually have a tattoo for every tour that I go to. Ooh, let's see. Let's Reinvention tour. Hold on. Keep it there. I'm going to take a shot for the uh, the Instagram. There it is. That's cool. That's the uh... MDNA. This is Madam X. Rebel Heart. Is Madam X the one where she did the black hair again? Stick, yep. Uh, yeah. Confessions to her. Oh, yeah. That so. was like her disco thing. Yeah. Was that the one where she did the. What was it ABBA? The song was like, Every Little Thing oh, That. Yeah, hung up. I'm stuck hung up on you. Where she had like the leotards in the yep. video. That's a great song, by the way. I listened to that when I did the dishes a few nights ago. 
Uh, it's yeah, that's actually I think its anniversary is just happened, or I can't remember two thousand five. So she was married to Guy Ritchie, or Guy yeah Guy yep. Ritchie. Yep. When I lived in England, and I thought, well, if Madonna can develop this English accent, I'm going to start doing it too. Because I was like, she gave me hope. I was like, yeah, I can switch over. Because I lived in England. I was, yeah. My girlfriend was English. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I can start coming back to the, the States and start talking like this. You know, and it's perfectly acceptable because Madonna did it. Um, I didn't pull it off, but she did. And you've seen her so many times. Yeah, I'm just being kind. It was, it was pretty bad. No, it was okay. But she um, will not play the song Material Girl live ever. That's not Is true. Is that true? And that you, she used to say, I would never, I would never play that because she just doesn't believe it anymore. It's a great song. And she actually, in 2004, she played that as a kind of guitar uh, solo. And then in 2015 at the Rebel Heart, she, she did Material Girl again. Um, Good. That's a great song. So it's, and nothing, uh, so Madonna, when she does tours, like nine, I shouldn't say, about 80% of it is her new stuff. And so for, uh, for, Diehard fans were excited no matter what. Uh, for mainstream fans, they're like, ah. But when the, she pulls out the hits, like Material Girl, the audience just goes crazy. Uh, or Vogue. She oh, has yeah. to play Like a Prayer, though, at every concert. Like, that's Almost her state. every concert. And, yeah. and she knows that's the one that... Um, it doesn't matter if you're a Madonna fan or not. She, you she love that song. That, that works. And yeah. so she, she definitely does that one quite a bit. Yeah, that's such a great song. I think every mix I've ever made back in high school had that song on there. It could be like a Jay-Z or Sinatra mix, Like a Prayer Made Its Way, because it's just such a fun song. Absolutely. It's and haunting. My, my favorite first to find film, filming locations was Like a Prayer. So I saw that on your site, and I know tonight's a Nightmare on Elm Street thing, but I had to crowbar Madonna, because you mentioned it, and yeah. I'm always fascinated that you like her so much, because she's, she's an icon. She's great. As my dad says, she brings it, Matthew. I'm like, she, okay, I'm convinced. She always does. Yeah, this last tour was a little, it was the first time she did a theater tour. So she was down the Wiltern in Los Angeles, which is, it's not an arena. And, uh, and it's, right. so, it's very intimate to yeah, the listeners. So there's really no bad seat. And um, the only thing is just you need to have your patience because she's always hours and hours and hours late. Is that true? Oh, yeah. So you mean we, for each tour, she just is chronically late? She's chronically late. And uh, Madame X is probably one of the worst where. Uh, I think the tickets might have said eight o'clock, and you'd be lucky if she got on at eleven. So <laughs> that late? Oh yeah, that's when the concert usually is wrapping up. I know. And or she, by midnight. And her audience is aging like mine. I'm like, we can't stay up that late. But do you? So when you were at this concert and she showed up late, you were obviously a little to converging with the lateness. But when she comes on, though, are you like alive again? Because that's oh. like a, that's exciting. There is nothing to me when that curtain goes up and 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 you see her and um, and if you're lucky enough to lock eyes with her or she looks at you to me there's, there's just oh nothing. so you're up close you're up like in the first few rows yeah and I always make sure I always have at least front row at every tour how do you pull that off you have to know somebody money uh, <laughs> no but, but even is, money like that they go out quickly if I'm not yeah, mistaken so, yeah one it's luck and one is kind of money and it kind of the mdna tour was the one i saw most i saw that 19 times and that had a big wow. uh pit triangle pit and you couldn't buy tickets into the pit you'd either have to win them or be kind of given them so uh, i actually got into the pit 17 out of 19 times 
How many? So sometimes I won or a friend won and we'd bring each other. And sometimes her manager would just uh, uh, give me uh, tickets. So. There you go. So her manager hooked you up. Guy Osiri, who manages quite a bit. And he's a Hollywood producer as well. You're talking about Madonna's manager. Yeah. That's the connection. Robert knows Madonna's manager. So if you need tickets, tweet him. At... By the way, you're not on Twitter, Robert. I, I really think you should be on Twitter. I, I should probably do that. You're right. It needs you. I look for I try to tag you and stuff. And I was like, he's too cool for school. And I get it. You're a visual man. It's a visual enterprise, Set Jetter. Twitter's not the best for pictures. It's the best for mobs. And I can, being I can, a jerk, which isn't I, you. I can so. barely uh, type out enough for Instagram, but yeah. I like your Instagram. You're very consistent. Um, one more question about Madonna, because I'm, yeah. I'm fixated on this now. And I'm, there might be more, depending on your answer. Bring, bring uh, you've been to all these shows. You've seen her in Omaha, Los Angeles. I would imagine you've seen her in Omaha. No, she's not come to Omaha. No, how dare her? <laughs> you too. You too has come to Omaha. Yeah, Guns and Roses have. What's her problem? Uh, well, you too. Well, well, Bono has kind of a connection to Omaha with Susie Buffett. So uh, yeah, so he actually visits when he's not touring as well. But charitable um, work. And I think Omaha was going to actually be was kind of on the hit list in the 2015. Because she was kind of doing slightly smaller cities, um, but we had uh, basketball going on in the arena at that time. So. Who did you see in Omaha, though, concert-wise, in the last few years? Oh, Lady Gaga, Justin. Timberlake. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, out of all these shows you've been to, all 64 plus or whatever, which one was your favorite one? And you can you can tell me it can be by tour too. You don't um, have to do a show. Oh, by tour. Yeah. So the for reinvention tour, I saw. Um, twice and so i went to chicago the first time row 13 c13 so i thought it was like super lucky and i just couldn't believe yeah. i was in the same place as madonna and i came home that night and i was so jazzed i'm like i have to go see her again and so i booked a ticket to atlanta and i think i had row six and so oh, what right. i remember from that concert is um well two things one i didn't know all the behind the scenes going on um so Stuart, i forgot her musical director at the time i bumped into him before the show and he says nice shirt and i said thank you i didn't know who he was uh, oh, yeah. Of, yeah. And so, so uh, uh, that tour, what I remember most is that she, at one point, she was uh, on this uh, singing, sitting with a guitar, and she was singing a song that was new to the album that not a lot of fans or mainstream people knew. And I was like singing along, and, and people around me were just kind of nodding their heads. So she saw me singing along, and she saw me and, and nodded at me. And I was just like, oh, wow. That makes you feel like a million bucks. Yeah. That's amazing. That's what you want to hear. Yeah, so uh, the next tour is Confessions Tour, and so second night in Chicago. Um, so the shirt I made at that time was, um, I had already had the Confessions Tour. Um, I went to opening night in L.A., and I came back and got a tattoo and a couple nice. weeks later from Chicago. And I had a World's Best Kids shirt. It was just the two kids at the time. It was kind of a disco and World's Best Mom on the back. And, uh, oh, sweet. So before the show... Um, her dad and her stepmom are walking backstage, and we're like, oh, I was excited to kind of see them. And so a little while later, they came out, and I said hi to them, and they're like, hi, you know, weirdo. Uh, but behind <laughs> them is her hairstylist and her makeup artist. And they're like, oh, can we take a picture of your, your tattoos and your shirt? I'm like, sure. So the show starts, and uh, yeah. I think it's still during the first song, and I get a tap on my shoulder, and it's Andy, her hairstylist. And, she's, and he said, what? she saw the pictures. She wants that shirt. And I'm like, 
all right. What? And I'm like, do you want me to go shirtless? He's like, I don't care. And I'm like, well, why don't you get me another shirt? So he went backstage and we exchanged shirts. And, and I That's said, That's crazy. Can I, I meet her? And he's like, no. And he like whisked away. And so we were all really excited. Um, so a couple weeks later, um, I'm in Hartford for a couple of shows and I had front row and I made the same shirt and, uh, we bumped into our dancers before the show and we're taking pictures and, and Hartford, I, Connecticut. Yeah. Uh, you're the you're the guy with the uh, tattoos and the shirt she took. I'm like, yeah. Like she was talking about you at dinner the other night. I was like, oh, oh shit. So by the end of that, wow. Tour, I was just um, you're in her world now. You're connected I, to Madonna. I felt like it was in Truth or Dare world where uh, I was having lunch with some of her dancers and uh, hanging out with them after the show and stuff like that. Yeah. So I just you're connected to Madonna now. She spoke about you, asked for your shirt, talks about you. When you're not around, yeah, I uh, feel like you should date Madonna and get uh, yourself in that world, yeah, just for the money. If anything yeah, else, it's probably better to keep your uh, keep your idols at at a distance for sure. I agree. But, I know, agree. So, with so you. those couple of my favorite memories. That's amazing. I'll share That's some others. Incredible. Maybe maybe another podcast. We yeah, well, we'll do a, we'll do a whole show dedicated to Madonna. I do agree with you. Keeping the idols at a distance. I um, you know, like you, I've met a lot of celebrities in L.A. Not really starstruck. I'm not really a starstruck guy, but I did meet Ringo Starr. I'm a huge Beatle maniac. He, the Beatles are like my Madonna, probably to you. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't really say anything. And my wife was like, "Do you want to meet him?" She knew him through somebody through a meeting kind of scenario. And I just said, "No, like that's that's a Beatle. He's a Beatle." <laughs> and I met him, and I was like, "You're a Beatle." And I was just such a jackass about it. But I was, I just couldn't handle it. It would be like meeting the president, not this one. Yeah. But uh, it would be like me to go Obama or somebody. But I was like, "This is amazing." Um, but that's so cool that you were you got into that that zeitgeist of Madonna's you know world as a fan, and she is great. She is phenomenal. I have a lot of her albums. I listen to her uh, a pretty frequent amount of time on the iPod, and she's great. I think she I think she's great. She's also a good actress too. Um, she's gotten bad performance reviews, and Avita had problems. I get it. But I feel like she could do more funny movies, like comedic roles. And like the movie, um, uh, the baseball movie, uh, A League of Their Own. Yeah. She's great. She's she owns great it. Um, you might be surprised that I actually haven't seen all of her movies. Um, I, I didn't really? see Dick Tracy until like a couple years ago. Um, I just watched Who's That Girl? Oh, really? Yeah. I, I know enough about Madonna to not watch her. <laughs> what do you think about Dick Tracy? Uh, I thought it's kind of fun for what it was. I don't know quite what I, I was expecting, but uh, but I thought, oh, this is kind of a, a fun movie. And maybe I watched it so long after the fact, I didn't really have any kind of uh, preconceptions going in. I little known fact: I'm a huge Dick Tracy fan. Loved it as a kid. Loved the comics. Owned the action figures. I've actually been trying to make a, a Dick Tracy series for like ten years. And you just can't do it because Warren Beatty actually owns all of the rights and they're yeah. his and he does not like lend them out. Because think about it, with comic book movies and everything, all the intellectual property, there should be a Dick Tracy miniseries besides a 1990 film yeah, or another remake or anything. There's not. There's nothing because he just owns that and doesn't do anything with it. Um, he wants to be the only Dick Tracy. He, yeah, and the only stipulation that Warren Beatty can retain these rights... <laughs> is that he has to perform as Dick Tracy every five years. And he does. And it's usually a five-minute YouTube video, and that satisfies the agreement with Disney. 
I so it's not. so weird. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I do want to jump back to Nightmare on Elm Street if you still have time. I don't yeah. know if, if I know. You, did you eat dinner tonight, Robert? We're all worried about your your, I am, your, good. Yeah, so. your meals. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I As thought you about. See, you. I've been had quite a bit of eating going on. I don't say that. I think you look great. You look refreshed and youthful. Thank you. By the way, I thought about you Saturday. I won't mention on air what you do for a living, but I was on a Zoom call uh, with an adoption agency for kids that I'm doing with my wife. Um, and there were some questions I had, which I'll, I can ask you off the air. But um, you're a good dude all around. And that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to get into specifics, but I think you're a great man. And I appreciate your time. Um, back to Nightmare on Elm Street, if we can shift yep. gears here. Freddy Krueger, in a bar fight, you, you get into a fight with a guy. He, he, it's trivia night, horror trivia night, in Omaha on J Street. Probably not a real street, making it up. There is a real J Street, yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow, I'm pretty good. I just made that uh, up. You, actually, you could say Maple Street, because uh, I, I went to horror trivia last month Maple on street. Maple Street. Are you serious? Yeah. There is a Maple Street. There is Maple Street. Is there an Elm Street? I'm sure there is. I hope so, because Omaha's pretty big, right? Yeah, it's pretty decent size, yeah. You get into a little bit of an argument. Who do you want coming to your corner? Jason Voorhees, circa Friday the 13th, part four. Freddy Krueger, circa part three. Or Michael Myers, circa... Let's go with five. The Curse. I'm sorry. Six, the curse. Six, the curse, okay. All right. Then that's fine. Oh, let me think. They would all kind of do the job, wouldn't they? That's what I'm trying to get to. Yeah, I feel like they're all in their prime then. What is five? The return of Michael Myers? Uh, four is the return. Five is the revenge. Revenge. And with the, with the four-story Myers house. And... Yes, always forget the revenge. Um. Uh, your 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 uh, opposition to the your adversaries you're facing are very strong. You need a, you need somebody in your corner to back you up. Probably then Jason because he, he's he's right? kind of the strongest. Um, Michael, I feel like would. Yeah. Yeah, Michael. My, Freddy has the all all the knives and stuff like that. But um, if you just want blunt force, it's you, you go for Jason. It, isn't Jason the coolest though out of all of them? You disagree. Wait, I no, I, I love Jason, and I do forget, or pe- I think people forget how much he does run. Um, and then yeah, you know, see these movies. Uh, Michael Myers is the one that's usually kind of walking and, and magically gets places. Jason <laughs> books it in these movies, and probably because I just watched part three, he's running. <laughs> that he's running. Time. Yeah. Oh, he's running. Yeah, he he works out. He's sweating under the mask. Also, Jason has like the worst past i mean the kid drowned they were supposed to be watching him all right he's his mom got his her head chopped off kind of kind of fucked up yeah michael myers just kind of lost it killed everyone not taken away from his story yeah and freddie for better or worse had a pretty checkered past don't really feel bad for him jason you feel bad for i think in the height of the popularity if they did, they're very popular, in the height of the 80s, let me say. If they did a Freddy vs. Jason then, people wouldn't know how to handle it. The studios wouldn't know how to perform it. Forget like rights and intellectual property, yeah. that's why. I don't think people would be able to handle it then. 
What do you think? No, it would have been uh, it would have meant a whole lot more than what it meant when uh, whenever Freddy J-, J versus Jason did come out because by that point it kind of felt like yeah they that we we've all moved on. Um, I'm 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 not sure if I'm glad that film exists or not, but it was kind of like oh they kind of messed with it too much. But uh, yeah, yeah, if if, it, if they would have done the height of you know 1987, uh, Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. Heads would explode because I, I I agree with you. When I saw that movie in the theater and it came out, you were excited, but it was also like ten years too late from the hype of everything. Like you kind of waited too long. It seemed a little like a cheap shot. I do like that they gave Jason more of the edge. That shot at the end where he comes out holding Freddy, even though it's ambiguous who won because Freddy's still alive. Yeah, I, I do. I did like that where Jason won because in a fight, Jason would probably really win. He's just he's just too big. He's too. Yeah. He just keeps coming back. And, you know, and if they would got Betsy Palmer back, it would probably give in a couple extra stars just for that. But, I agree. And they should have got some of the final girls back because if they had Heather Langenkamp and, and yeah. Steele and even in just tiny parts, that would have been just a dream. Yeah, not Edward Furlong's sloppy seconds. <laughs> that, that was like his girlfriend in that movie, I think. I don't remember. Yeah. See, you don't ever, she's not even memorable. It, I, I, like I say, it's not too memorable. I, just, I know I did some of the locations when I was in, in Canada for it. but, uh, but yeah. yeah. I don't know. I thought it was okay. It was fun to watch, but they waited too long to do it. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street, though. The, I argue that the plots in the, franchises, in the franchise and the sequels get better than the Halloween franchise and Friday the 13th. And I'm not knocking those movies or even trying to compare, make yeah. this an episode of comparisons, but I feel like they did different things. Jason's kind of the same. We all end up at Crystal Lake and we're dying. We did some weird stuff with a new beginning and it's the EMT and um, Tommy Jarvis is having flash. Alright, people didn't like that. It's kind of the same plot and it works and I, yeah. I feel like you should always be at Crystal Lake with Friday the 13th but do you think Nightmare on Elm Street kind of has the stronger plots in the franchise? Uh, you know what? They all kind of start. They they all kind of take this uphill where uh, they they each get a little. I should say better, but you know, uh, Elm Street Three Dream Warriors was a, definitely a peak uh, where they just figured it out. Like like uh, they got everything right of kind of what they what how to get the most of Freddy and have a different cast of characters and they brought Heather back and and they kind of then they ended up trying to replicate that movie a couple times. Uh, they kept trying to you know. Uh, to do it again and like you can't recapture it that many times and you know you can't capture that lightning in a bottle i i was just thinking that yeah you can't recapture that and they kind of tried to do that and it didn't work a little bit um i don't know man the parakeet scene in two still gives me nightmares <laughs> at night i have birds i had to cancel a show with you once because one passed away that weekend it's traumatizing and I saw that as a kid, and I, no, 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 no. That's not gas that does that. I, and it I, bothered me when the mother goes, well, maybe it's the gas. It's not. It's not what, what is, get out of there. Um, um, those are scary. Know, I've met uh, Mark Patton a couple of times, and I think I actually had him sign this because my sister and I still say, we walk in and we're like, it is hot as an oven in here. <laughs> <laughs> it is hot. Is that what happened? Yeah. Yeah, that's one of his lines where, you know, that oh, yeah. it's not working and everything's... That, the house is hot. You know, it's one of those weird... It's hot. Things. That's so good. Where was that? Um, yeah, I think it's right before the bird scene uh, because 
Yeah, everybody's in the living room because it's kind of so. Yes. That's the movie where the, the kid gets caught by the cops, like naked in the rain, and they bring him back. Yes. Sad. And just. This is awful to say. So just like Jeffrey Dahmer, they bring him right back. Uh, yeah, why did they do that? Uh, I don't. I don't know what else they want. You know, they they found him at the. Um, just like uh, Jeffrey Bob Shay's S and M bar. So they decided it was better bring to. You know, I feel like they missed a whole scene in there. Like, what happened uh, in between the bar scene and then naked in the rain? Obviously, something happened. Right. Yeah. What's going on there? By the way, have you seen um, the Friday the th- or the Nightmare on Elm Street series? Do you do you watch them like? recently like what is your like history with these movies i'm curious if you're like really into them um i haven't rewatched. i like i said i just i had elm street one in the background um because my friends had that dvd uh with some of the deleted sins kind of reinserted um and i haven't revisited i think last time i revisited i watched them all because i think either a new box set came out and and you just kind of like oh let me take a look uh, at them again i feel i went to a at Alamo, they had a uh, marathon of, of a few, I think. Is Alamo a movie theater chain? Yeah. So okay. Alamo, we actually have two. They're not open right now, but we have, I think LA just got their first one. Um, yeah, I heard somebody mention that, and I, I'm curious about this wonderful thing. It's it's my has been my favorite movie theater, one, because they are adamant about no talking, no texting, or you're kicked out. Good. They, they follow that to the T. And we've seen people kicked out before, and it's... Uh, sometimes it's amusing. Usually they're drunk. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I like nice. that. No, no, you're you you pay twenty bucks to see a movie. I want to see the movie. I don't want to hear about you laughing. Yeah, absolutely. So to um, somebody else, they they bring pop. You have um, it's one of those. They bring all the food to you, and uh, and they bring, have popcorn is always in these big silver bowls. And because now it's been over almost not quite a year since we've seen movies, actually uh, for our new house, as part of the house where I bought ourselves big silver popcorn bowls so we can oh nice that's a nice touch yeah but they do they do marathons i a couple years ago they did halloween one two four five six and h2o it was a long day oh i'd be on board for that you went to that yeah um and i need friends like you yeah i had not seen halloween two on the big screen actually and they had to show that secretly don't tell anybody because they're not technically allowed to to show that but they slipped it why I think because uh, somebody else owns the rights to it, and so um, wow, it's kind of one of those things. Actually, but my I, favorite my favorite entry in the franchise is Halloween too. I had not seen it on the big screen before, and it was an actual thirty five millimeter print, so oh. it was a a, a double. Oh, they got to be careful with that. Yeah, I think they actually were all thirty five millimeter because they made a mistake where Halloween four was going on, and then. Uh, instead of switching to real two, they switched to real six or something like that. And so, oh come on! I was like, I was like, well, this isn't right. Um, but I, I, you... I was hoping they would just keep going because I'm like, uh, I was like, this is gonna be a long day. As much as I love the Halloween movies, yeah, that's a long day. I I love Jurassic Park franchise. I watch them a lot. I don't know if I could watch every movie in one day. I could probably get through three and then maybe lose interest. It does make you make you pay attention when you see films in the theater. I've seen them a hundred times, uh, but like I said, at Elm Street in the background, I wasn't really watching. I was kind of listening and and yeah, in certain scenes. When you're a movie, you have nothing but to do but to watch what's going on, and and it's a different experience, even if you've seen it, it a hundred times. 
it is a different experience. It's it's a better experience, in my opinion. You you like you said, you pay attention more. You pick up things. You appreciate the cinematic experience because you don't have the option of looking at your phone or getting distracted. And and as a man with ADHD, I'm very like, what? Oh, there's something shiny over there. Let's go do this. Um, but my question is, do you respect the films in the sense that you don't watch them so much, and when you visit them? It's like a new kind of experience, or have you seen like? Well, let's just stick with Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. like a thousand times, where you know it like the back of your hand. Yeah, I I know most like the first three like the back of my hand. Um, when I get to Elm Street four, it really like that kind of felt like the MTV version of Freddy, which I know a lot of people <laughs> love it, and that was like one of the first ones they saw on the big screen. And uh, and to four me, four like, is oh, it's, Dream uh, Child Master. Dream Master, Dream Master. So they, they brought it back, the surviving Dream Warriors killed them off, and a, a different Kirsten at Tuesday night instead of um, uh, Patricia Arquette. And so it just kind of felt like, nah, oh, yeah. not, not quite. Is that the one where Freddy eats the girl on the bathroom floor? That's five, yeah. That's a scary scene. Uh, Greta, yeah. <laughs> so And actually kind of like, five kind of went a little bit darker again. That's Dream like, Warriors. Dream Warriors is three. I'm sorry. Five is Dream Child. Dream Child, yeah. Yeah. So, which Jurassic Park? The Jacob is the little kid in Jurassic Park that is uh, making fun of Doctor Grant in the beginning scene in the Badlands with the the. Uh, that doesn't look so scary. Try to have a little respect, will you? They cut you from here and here. Well, I don't want that kid. Kids yeah. smell. Babies smell. Babies. Yeah, that I kid. Think- that's He's actually, in it? My, that baby smell is one of um, uh, my sister and I's favorite quotes, too. <laughs> kids smell. Baby smell. Baby smell. You want one of those versions? Well, I don't want that kid, but a smaller version of young Alan Grant would be nice. A lot of butt shots in Jurassic <laughs> Park, that? too, by the way. Wait, that kid, was in, that kid was in Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah, he played Jacob. The, he played uh, Alice's soon-to-be son, I think, if I can remember right. This is where I'm getting a little hazy. Um, Good memory. So, yeah, so Dream Child. Oh, Salt Ones. And then Freddy's Dead. And then they kind of capped it off with New Nightmare, which was literally just 10 years after the first one came out, almost to the date. Um, so it seemed like a long time for all those films, but it was really just 10 years from uh, the first one to New Nightmare. And, and New Nightmare was way ahead of its time, I think. Yeah, that's a good flick. It's a good film, and they did it right. I'm glad that you mentioned that, though. People think the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, at least I do, went on longer than it did. It didn't. It was ver- they did a movie like every other year. It was very quick. They bumped those out. That's, it's that, that house that New Line built, and that's why we have all... Well, and now New Line got bought out. Um, but Yeah, we wouldn't have 13 days with Bruce Greenwood about the, 13, the, the Cuban Missile Crisis without the 80s uh, Nightmare on Elm Street because they built that studio. Absolutely, yeah. All that he market. saved them. Um, I really have to watch... So 5, the Dream Master? Child. Dream Child. Dream Child has the kid in Jurassic Park in it. Yeah. The kid that... The fat kid in the end goes, they're not very scary. Yeah. Looks now like a big I, turkey. Now, <laughs> now I have to feel like I have to double check, so... Um, uh, no, we have to find out. I'm not but, getting any... Uh, nasty uh things i like that that's not the same kid i like that you respect them though a little bit more than i do uh, friday the 13th i watch all of them a lot like into the ground 
but I still enjoy them every time. So I think that's like a, a good fan. Yeah. And I feel like I would appreciate them maybe more if I didn't like watch them all so much. Yep, yeah. yep, same kid. I double checked. Phew. We got it. I'm glad that you mentioned that. I got my movie trivia. Uh, uh, which uh, Nightmare on Elm Street entry? I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you because you're the expert. Is the equivalent to Friday the 13th? Jason takes Manhattan. <laughs> it's a tough one. It's a, it's a sad question, but I, I need to get it out on paper for the listeners because what the world wants to know, Robert. You you probably know the answer. What I'm going to say, and then I probably have to say Freddy's dead because you're yes. kind of like. Same thing where as you're watching Jason Takes Manhattan, you're like, what are they doing here? And how did we get to this point? What's happening? (laughs) All great entries. By the way, I need to mention this before I forget. Thank you to Japan and Jamaica for coming on to the uh, analytics of our show. We have jumped in numbers in these two countries. They are now three and four after the United States and the United Kingdom. So who's ever listening in Jamaica and Japan, thank you. We welcome you. Yeah. I don't know if you know people there, Robert. I assume all things are connected to you. There's a lot of Madonna fans in Japan, though. There are. Yeah, people are huge in Japan. Even if they're, like, not as big here, they still have careers over there, which is amazing. So what what is your Jason Takes Manhattan version of Nightmare on Elm Street? Well, I haven't seen Freddy's Dead. Okay. But I assume that's it. Um, I didn't... I wasn't huge... Which one is the one where, again, I'm so educated on this. I've done my homework. Which one is the one the girl gets eaten by, like, the sand? Uh, she goes down in the sand? That's yeah. the dream master. That's yeah. three? That's four. Four. I wasn't, like, huge on that. I've only seen it once. Should probably watch it again because I was maybe in my 20s. I wasn't, like, huge on that film. That's so I would compare it that based on what I know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that like one, you know, and I, I appreciate the actors and 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 what they did. Uh, trivia: They went the the high school in that one is Rydell High, Venice High School. Of course, of course. Um, there's something else I was gonna say about that. you. You you've seen the fourth one a lot. Um, is that one of the weaker entries in the series? Um, it, it's funny because I see it as one of the weaker ones, and for a lot of fans, it's one of the strong ones hmm. for some reason. Maybe because of special effects? Maybe, and I think uh, that Rennie Harlan did that one, and so it was one of his... Uh, oh, that's what it is. ...early films, and so it had some artistic flair. Like I said, it was just too... I don't like to say it was too MTV for me, but it, it just kind of felt... Yeah, it was kind of MTV. Um, also, I don't know. There was like a weird point in the franchise where they went from more horror to comedy, and they, I felt like the balance could have been done a little bit better. I'm not an expert, though. I, I need to, like, rewatch them. But based on everything I've seen, the original ones, the earlier ones were more dark. Mm-hmm. I felt. I don't know. Maybe I could be wrong. Yeah. Same could be said with Friday the 13th in a lot of ways. Um, so a lot of people like Jason Lives as one of their favorites. And, and yeah. I like it as well. But it's definitely the slickest of, of them all. And it looks like uh, you can kind of tell they had a... Uh, it didn't necessarily have a bigger budget. He he worked a better cinematographer, um, but and yeah. I go back to him like I like the grittier, um, messy uh, early Friday the Chains. I do too. Yeah, it's the it's definitely the sleekest. 
there's no nudity in it. They tried to make it more of like a film as opposed to like a slasher flick. But I agree with you. I like the first three of the best. I just think they're gritty. They're scary. They're scarier. Um, the story's more original. Uh, I should say, I should add four in there. I know that's over like half of the franchise, but yeah. the first four are pretty, pretty great. You can't, you can't touch them. Four is pretty good. We watched that again last night. That, that is a pretty great flick. I yeah, that that's always one of my favorite. And like you said, for actual Friday Thirteenth, I think that's those are the pictures I posted of me in the the Jarvis cabin because oh yeah, that was just one of my favorite experiences. Congratulations too on getting on the box set on the DVD, oh, the yeah. ultimate box set. It's pretty cool. I just watched a couple minutes of it. And I was like, oh, I can't watch this. But why couldn't you watch it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Wait, wait, watch the film or the extra no, watch, features? No, watch the extras that they use my photos for. Oh, what do you mean? Why not? You should be proud. Yeah. <laughs> you got to watch them. Uh, some, someday, yeah. So. Are they going to be posted on YouTube illegally soon? Uh, I don't know. Probably not. You know, every once in a while, like when I, for like my Silent Night building nights, I tried to post them on YouTube and then Screen Factory just takes them down. As, cause do they? they? There's such a weird... <laughs> There's such a weird algorithm with YouTube. You could post something from somebody else and it gets taken down. But then there's like 300 Disney cartoons, which Disney owns, floating there. It's like a weird... It's not a good system. It's yeah. weird. And I think it's just going to get worse. So um, Yeah. I hope to see that, though. I, I think I, I might get the box set. I might purchase it. It's I worth feel it. like I should own it as a fan. The films have never looked better. Um, so it's just... Uh, good to know. Put them on the 4K screen and, and, and take a look. Yeah. Uh, I want to jump into some set jetting stuff before we wrap up, if that's okay. Because you're the set jetter. One of them. Do you ever introduce yourself as the set jetter, or do you just say Robert? Like, you ever, like, I'm the, like Batman. There we go. I'm the set, set jetter. You should. I feel like you need to own it more. The, I, I think we've said a couple times, I've been, when I'm traveling, people do recognize me. And so um, down at the, actually, I was, I was taking a friend to the Like a Prayer filming locations, uh, which is down by the, that was it called the Friendship Bell down in San Pedro. And that's where they have different, I think. Oh, yeah, on. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so just out of nowhere, like literally we're walking uh, from that spot up to the, 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 the Friendship Bell and, and uh, just, we're coming across a couple and they're like, Robert? And like, yeah. And they're like, I mean, just... <laughs> And like, oh, I follow your website. And I'm like, oh. And so the friend I was with from L.A., she just thinks that's wacky that, <laughs> you know, she, she's lived in L.A., you know, yeah, a lot of her life. And for some reason, here comes a Nebraska kid and is just recognized off the street. For no, that's life. so cool, though. That that should make you feel good. That's like yeah, a testament no. of your work. It is. Like I say, I always do this for the fans. So it's also it's yeah. nice to know when, when fans are paying attention and... Uh, and yeah, somebody just found me because they right. just, um, I did the, uh, an, a small extra on The Incredible Shrinking Woman um, with Lily Tomlin on that Blu-ray. You were in that? I, I did a little a small extra of, uh, for the locations. No way. Uh, on that. So, so you're um, an actor, too. I know. I don't show up on that one. Actually, my, my work does. But uh, I, they just sent me a, a note because uh, at the very end, I have this favorite line in the movie. It has nothing to do with locations. Uh, but I put it in at, as kind of the, the end bumper or whatever, and so they kind of called me out on. They, they they said, "I'm so glad you put that that in because uh, I was showing this movie to friends, and we just laughed out loud at that line. And then we saw your locations thing, and you put that same line in there. So so 
Thank oh, you. Oh, no way. So it's nice. I'm like, I, I kind of did it for my, I was actually expecting uh, Shout Factory to delete that because they're like, this makes no sense that you just, <laughs> you end oh, your yeah. video with this, this quote, but. No, that's amazing. That should make you feel good. That's a that's a it's a beautiful thing. Um, good that pe people pay attention and people are looking at Blu-ray extras. So, yeah, no, that's so cool. Your uh, entry on uh, set dash gender dot com of Dream Master, you have the fountain at the end. Um, I I used to live like five minutes from here when I first moved to LA. I used to come here a lot. Um, I didn't I didn't get a chance to. Uh, um, I didn't. I didn't watch this film when I was out in LA. I, I, like I said, I'm due for a refresher. But when you were here and you did Dream Master, which I think you have really good locations and and some of the best shots uh, in this century, did you knock this out in one trip, or was this like a uh, compilation that, that you was, did? This this was a compilation. So um, and now you've been okay. pulling it open. So um, so a couple things like for this one, this is the first time they didn't go back. Uh, to Genesee Street to shoot at the Elm Street house. Yeah. They shot on a random street um, and put up a facade um, that uh, doesn't quite look like that. If you look closely, it's not quite the Elm Street house. They kind of made it a little bit smaller. So, But you know me, I had to find that street. Um, yeah, right. You, you so, got it. Yeah, I did find that street. And then um, at the time, uh, Alice's house had not been found. And, um, and oh. so I, I contacted, I think I asked Andrus Jones, who's in the film and I, he, and I said, do you know where this is at? And he said, he said it was somewhere between, he said something weird, like North Hollywood and Pasadena. And I'm like, well, that's just, who knows? That doesn't and, uh, help. And so I kind of like literally look at the map and it was like Burbank. And I'm like, and if, you, as we said before, my golden rules, all roads lead to Burbank. <laughs> Oh, yeah, right. At the time, there was, like, this big blank... You know, Google Maps wasn't 100% all over the place anymore. And there was big blank spots. And so uh, there was a kind of an eight-block radius in the Burbank that just... There was no Google Street View. And I'm like, it has to be there. It has to be there. And so I drove to... I kind of drove around uh, uh, one morning in Burbank and, and found it there. So Oh, that's so cool. That's a good story. Wait, um, so it was blacked out because... And I know exactly what you're talking about. They didn't... Send the car around for the street yeah, view everywhere. Yeah, had not made it there yet. So, um, so, and I think I might have known uh, street house or house number was like fifteen ten or something. I just didn't know what street, so I kind of drove around and, and found it. So that's good sleuthing. The um, the uh, the Craven. Um, I actually Andrus Jones helped me with the Craven. That's he, what I'm looking at now. It's a cool yeah, shot. He he knew where that was, and so he kind of helped me out on where that was. And then the cemetery was. Uh, one of the hardest ones to find because the Evergreen Cemetery, that's what was from the first one, first Elm Street as well. But to go and try to find that exact spot uh, uh, was a little bit difficult, you know, that sometimes I'm just wandering around cemeteries. Uh, <laughs> but, but you found it. I did. So, and, and I, and some of the, the graves have kind of not weathered uh, too well. So it's always helpful if you can find a visible gravestone. That says like Jacobs on it. You're like, that's that that that's it. Okay, we got yeah, it. Then you can use find a grave and look them up. But then sometimes it get tricky, yeah. and they actually, and they probably filmmakers should do this. Is they kind of put fake gravestones or names on top of it. So, um, oh, I've noticed that aren't showing up, and and so if you see one that says a Smith and there's nothing else, you probably think that's probably a 
uh, a false uh, gravestone on top. Oh, that makes sense because you don't want to like desecrate the memory of somebody on film. Yeah, or or kind of people kind of get weird about different things. But uh, but yeah, yeah. Holland Fountain. Um, these are all different times. I remember one time I went there and it was during the drought time, so there was no water uh, in it. So I think I know I had to go back and and find a time where. Uh, water was actually allowed to be running in fountains in los angeles yeah dark dark times in la with that drought this this location the mahal is near the abandoned la zoo have you ever gotten a chance to go there i have and actually i went to a screening of friday the 13th there uh, what what was this uh it was a few years uh, uh, it was probably about six years ago so oh. uh, right in front of the zoo they would have outdoor screenings and and the next day, I was flying to Ari- from there to Arizona to to meet Adrian King, Amy Steele, and Dana Kimmel. No, they were all at the same. No time. way! What yeah, were you doing so, meeting those guys for? Uh, what was that? What were you doing going to Arizona for? That's where the convention was. So, other- otherwise, I wouldn't go to Arizona. <laughs> oh yeah, I was gonna say that's a interesting location to. to, uh, to yeah, get so, to. Um, and because Dana Kimmel hardly does any conventions anymore, so I'm like, yeah, what? yeah. I want to meet her and so i remember because i remember i showed adrian king i was like i was i saw you last night on the big screen and and she kind of she gets a kick out of anything uh like that she's she's so great with fans that's great she's gracious with the people but yeah LA Zoo, and it's been used in different things i think police academy 2 maybe or police academy 2 anchorman um it's a cool spot man i like the zoo i didn't know they had screenings there though i wish i would have seen friday the 13th and Halloween, they oh, they have in previous years set up a little kind of thing around there as well. Yeah, they do. I, that's when I was last there. It was Halloween, and they were setting up the uh, the decorations for like the hayride kind of thing. Yeah, that's what it was. Which was kind of cool to see, because um, that's a free for all. That zoo. It's not like monitored by like a parks department. There's like no <laughs> authority there. You can just yeah, go there with a camera and film and. It's like, it's bizarre. It's a weird thing. It's like right in the middle of LA. It's right near the new zoo or the, the current zoo. Yep. But there's not like a security guard walking around or an entrance fee. It's just, you just show up and it's like, you're messing around with old cages and bars and it's, it's a cool. Semi dangerous. It feels like some parts, but yeah. I think it's more, maybe more than semi dangerous. There's like, yeah, there, you're basically going in like, a hundred-year-old bear cages with metal bars and steps and no lighting, and it's it's weird. But yeah, you just show up. It's kind of cool. So uh, yeah, I recommend it to to visitors uh, to go check it out because the um, it's not too far from the merry-go-round. Uh, yes, merry-go-round and and Walt uh, Disney thought of the idea of Disneyland. Yeah, it's all right there. So it's all walking distance, and it's a. Uh, sometimes I do that. I usually fly out at Burbank Airport, so it's sometimes I if I need to kill time. But not leave the area too much. I kind of head over to Griffith Park and check. Yeah, out. it's close. Smart man too for flying out of Burbank. Ah, my favorite airport. I miss it. I miss it. Burbank is great. You just walk in and they go, "Do you have any weapons or guns?" You go, "Nope." They go, "Have a great flight." Oh, That's yeah. the security process. LAX, you're waiting in lines. It's I bad. Like, uh, I fly Southwest a lot, so they let you out uh, or on and out of the plane at both both ends of the plane. So. Uh, you can yeah, to the, the back of the plane and right out on the tarmac, so which is nice. I do like that. It's kind of a lost thing. You don't see that too much. It's usually a docking terminal, but now, yeah, Southwest is good. Um, the uh, Elm Street Four goes to the Rialto Theater in Pasadena. So yeah, I'm looking at that. That's cool. 
used in uh, Scream 2, The Player, um, La La Land was shot there, uh, countless, countless films. Oh, yeah. You're talking about the theater with the kiosk outside all lit up in the film? That's in uh, Pasadena, right? Yep, yep. Not you said far, Pasadena. Laurie Strode's house. Right. That cold Chicago Haddonfield weather. <laughs> well, you know, I was punk. thinking uh, Elm Street, I think eventually it takes place in Springwood. And I think eventually they make it Ohio or something uh, like that. because, uh, And oh. then in Freddy vs. Jason, because they have to travel from Ohio to New Jersey um, to, to get to, to Crystal Lake. But the original Elm Street is pretty clear that this is supposed to be Los Angeles. Yes. Yeah. That's cool, though. Yeah, you're right, but it did kind of jump to Ohio for that reason alone. Let's go to Camp Crystal Lake in Jersey. Let's get on the, let's get on the turnpike and do it. Um, this location with the movie theater in um, Dream Master, this is still an operating theater, though, right? No, it hasn't been. Um, one of the last... Actually, I, I saw the original Halloween there for the 25th anniversary. Um, when they had the oh. 25th anniversary um, convention, um, they had a midnight screening, and so I was uh, cool. I went to that. Um, they had a VIP party that night, and uh, I'm not a big drinker, but it was yeah. open bar, and I admit I, I overdrank that night. <laughs> oh no! But, yeah, but uh, in a fun way. I mean, I still woke up the night. Yeah, but I just remember uh, people piling in the car in a taxi to get over to the midnight screening. And I know I uh, I got out of the car and I realized I was sitting on the lap of Boombox Boy, uh, huh. Halloween too. <laughs> no way. Yeah. So. Because um, you guys shared a cab. Yeah, we all just kind of crashed into a cab to get over to the midnight. And school. Halloween, like the famous shot of him bumping into him. Yeah. Yeah. So, but no uh, way. The actors and stuff went. So that that's the only movie I saw. Um, otherwise, if I was better, if I would have brought my camera because they shot part of Scream Two in the lobby, not the actual theater. Um, that oh. else, but part of the lobby they used in, in Scream too as well. Oh, that's so cool! You can get, you can get some pictures through the windows um, uh, to kind of kind of get that. But it, yeah, it hasn't is, been is it used for anything now? Is it is it just a abandoned place? It's kind of abandoned. I know there's been different things to try to get it um, renovated, and uh, um, so it doesn't totally yeah. get demolished because it's uh, it's a, it was a great theater, and and like I said, it's for film locations, it's pretty iconic. And the back is where well, I mean, it, the, it was used uh, interior, outside, and the back in the player, um, where the key scene, uh, where yeah, kills the guy. Spoiler. Because it's like a classic theater, though, right? Yeah. Like with the seats and the balcony and stuff. So Modern Family shot there a few years ago, and they shot inside as a. It was an old decrepit theater, and it kind of looked. You could tell them like this is not. They, nobody's kind of taking care of it, but. Hopefully they get some yeah. funds behind it and uh, yeah, because it's a little piece of of Hollywood history there. Now it's probably not the right time to uh, try to get funds for it. A, a movie theater, but yeah, right, the landmark. Um, well, that's going to be our our time for today, Robert. I want to thank you for coming on the show. Always if there's anything else you want to talk about or plug. No, I enjoy these Saturdays. I know we did, we we started talking a little bit about Sean Connery and 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 I know we kind of kind of veered off, but you got yeah. me thinking about my favorite film of him is probably Highlander, the original. Maybe his most ambitious role ever. 
We won't I talk think. about the sequels at all. But uh, no, no, don't mention those. But I, I agree with you. Is that like your favorite work of Mr. Connery's was Highlander? I think so. I'm trying to think that. Uh, uh, I mean, obviously, I mean, I I enjoy Indiana Jones and Last Crusade, and yeah, the, my dad, of course, was a original James Bond, so he, Sean Connery is his James Bond. Of course, Roger Moore, like or not, ended up being my James Bond because that's what I. <laughs> I get it. I'm a, I'm a Pierce Brosnan guy. He's the weakest link, but he's my favorite because that's what I grew up with. And, and I think, and I used to. I think what was difficult for Sean Connery is that he was so well known that it didn't matter what character he was playing, you couldn't get past with Sean Connery. Right. Um, so uh, when he's playing different roles, it's always um, you. You barely remember if, if he had character's name, a character's name. It was just Sean Connery. And and I think yeah. it's hard for people when they kind of hit that status to uh, uh, be able to uh, uh, become invisible and become their characters. And I used to say the same thing about Madonna, where um, for her James Bond cameo, that movie just came to a screeching halt because... Yeah, die <laughs> another day. Madonna's on the screen. It's not... Yeah. Whatever, you don't even know what she's saying or whatever. I mean, I just remember in the theater, it was like, oh, there's Madonna. I mean, you know, like, it's just like, she can't become a, a character because she's just too well known. Yeah, she's the fencing instructor, and I remember when I first saw that, you're like, "Hey, it's Madonna! It's Madonna!" It's it's when I was, when I was a kid and I saw Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Sean Connery as a cameo at the end. I didn't know who he was at the time. I was a kid. I remember my parents were like, "That's Sean Connery," you know. You 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 can't get past that, you know, like a Madonna or a Sean Connery, that iconic. Like, well, that's them on screen. I feel that way with um, Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise when they're on screen. You're like. Well, you're just watching like good-looking Brad Pitt in a character, but it's Brad Pitt. Yeah, you know George Clooney, I can believe, and and I'm, I can believe Brad Pitt. I'm not; he's a great actor. But you're like, no, that's that's Brad Pitt. That's a movie star. You know, it's uh, it's like uh, there that that stratosphere. Yeah, that. they or they can't veer too far from their normal personality, kind of uh, as believability. Believability. Right. And Sean Connery, even when he was back in Darby O'Gill and the Little People, which is scary with that banshee, he was old too, which is interesting. Yeah, is that a Disney movie? Yeah, okay. it's on Disney Plus Disney right now. Plus? Is that on Disney Plus? That might have to might have to pull that out. Oh yeah, pull it out. It's scary. I, I was gonna say that might be a go to sleep movie, is what I call where I put it on, and then about fifteen minutes in, I, I Darby O'Gill and the Little People is a perfect go to sleep movie. Because you don't want to waste your night on it. Yeah, Sean uh, always kind of did feel older. Um, yeah, he was never like young in the sense where it's like a young. He was always he always felt like an older guy. Not not like Wilfred Brimley old, where no, it's never not old. He's two hundred ninety eight years old. <laughs> he really drank the uh, really swam in the pool and cocoon because he's he's still alive. He's the yeah, same age. So, but it's funny though. The older I get. Uh, the more I start doing math, you know, and I'm like, I'll be like, how old was Jack Nicholson in Terms of Endearment? And I'm like, crap, I'm older than him now. Like, I know. That happened. I know. I'm in the same boat as you, but those guys looked older a lot younger then. It's weird. You look at like, uh, even people in the 80s, and you're like, oh, that was an 18-year-old cell. And you're like, they look like they're 30 then. Yeah, they do. They really do. You know, you look at... Um, Marlon Brando, The Godfather, and like, oh, he's fifty or forty-eight. You're like, he looks like he's in his seventies. He did. He did. There was a lot of makeup there. Yeah, maybe a bad example, but 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 truly, a lot of those those actors look a lot younger. Um, 
Notorious B.I.G. was like 23 when he was shot and killed. You listen to his albums and look at him, you're like, he looked like he was a, a 40-year-old. It, it's weird. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah. but uh, I, other, I, it, is, it is depressing to see that yeah. sometimes. The other end of the spectrum is like some of the, the final girls. Like when I was talking about Amy Steele. Somehow, she's only aged five years uh, since 1981. Yeah. Uh, they look great. You've mentioned that before, and in the the photos you see and the ones that you took at meeting them, they they took care of themselves because they Crystal Lake had good water, flowing waters yeah. of youth because they they took care of themselves. Maybe it's uh, Adrian King's wine that they they drink. Oh, that's kind of kept it's something because yeah. yeah, they don't age. They yeah. they do. I was looking at one of your your um, site earlier. I I I'm not on that page anymore, so I forget what it was, but it was from. I think it was from four, uh, the Dream Master, the chick with the nun- nunchucks. Yeah, I can't so find it. Yeah, looks great. Oh yeah, she uh, her, I think she got blonde hair in the Dream Child, but that suited her much more than a, um, uh, kind of the red hair. But, but yeah, so she she's aged very well. They actually all have so for. Um, yeah, somehow I, I see these people that used to be older than me, and somehow I, I've kind of switched over. Now I'm older than them. <laughs> yeah, you, you've crossed that bridge. I did, yeah. See, I haven't crossed it yet, but I'm also in denial. Just because I am older. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's going to be our show. I want to thank Robert Patterson for coming on the show. It's always fun to do a Set Jetter Saturday. And visit Robert at set-jetter.com as well on Instagram at setjetter. Uh, and give him a comment, check out all the stuff, and thank you for listening. Robert, thank you for being on the show. Always good to see you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast, and check out the shows for free on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Roku, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and we're now on Fandom, which I don't even know what that is, but we're on there. So if you like Fandom, check it out. Thank you for listening, and good night, everybody.